So today, uh, it's your lucky day. I brought you something. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Look at that. Can you see what this is? What is this? A quarter. Absolutely. Who is on the quarter? Who is that? George. Wait. George Washington is on my... George, I'm so sorry. You were, you were in my pocket this whole time. Like, I, it's got to be uncomfortable in there. George, I'm so sorry that you are on, in my pocket. I, I thought he lived like in the 1700s. George, you're telling me George Washington is, is on my quarter. Oh, that, that doesn't make sense. It's the image of George Washington that's on my quarter, right? That makes sense. And Jesus was asked a question in Mark chapter 12. He was asked, should we pay our taxes? And you think the Bible's irrelevant. We're asking the same question 2,000 years later. Should we pay our taxes? And Jesus finds a coin. And he says, whose image is on that coin? And everybody knew the answer. They all looked at it and they all said, Caesar. And so Jesus said, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And everyone was like, that makes sense. Wow. This is amazing, Jesus. But then I don't want you to miss what Jesus says next. Next, Jesus said, then give to God what is God's. So, what is God's? In the context of it, it's whatever has his image on it. And what has his image on it? You and me, every human being is said to be created in the image of God. And if you're created in the image of God and you bear his image, then you are to give yourself and all of who you are to him. That's what Jesus is saying. You bear his image. You have his image. You give yourself fully to him. So, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? It's what sets humans apart from all other creation. It's, it's unique to human beings that we are created in the image of God. And you can understand it in a couple different ways, but really, it's the idea that we share some of the same likeness, some of the same attributes as God does in similar ways. But there's three kind of main ways. One of them is that we have a mind. We have intellect. You're intellectual. We, we think as human beings. Another one is that we have a will, like you make choices. We make choices and decisions. And another one is we have emotions, like we feel stuff. 
And all of these things are kind of little bit like God does. God does all of those things, and so do we as his unique creation. Human beings are created in his image. There's nothing else in all creation like it. And so in Genesis 1.27, we looked at this last week, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so today, we jump into Genesis chapter 2, because when you're doing a series through a book of the Bible, you always just pick up right where you left off. You know exactly where we're going to be next week. And it's important to do series like this. It's important to pick and choose important topics that speak directly to your life, what you're thinking about, what you're dealing with, what you're wondering about, what the church is facing, what the community is facing. Like, we need to do that, and we've done that. But it's also important to just choose a large section of Scripture and say, okay, God, this is your word. All of it is true. Speak to us in large sections and large chunks. And so we're looking through chapters 1 through 11 in this series of the book of Genesis. And so today we're in chapter 2. And we come in contact in verse 4 and 5 and 6 with kind of a retelling of the creation story, which is what we covered last week which is interesting. And a lot of skeptics ask the question, well, like, why is there two versions of the creation story? And they are slightly different. There's a different order. They happen in different timing. And so they wonder, you know, and they ask the question, well, if, if they can't both be true because they seem to be different. And so if they're neither of them are, or they can't both be true, then neither of them are true. And, you know, there's, there's some, you know, things to talk about there. But it's important to recognize that in Genesis 1, it's creation from God's perspective. It's an overview of day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. And in Genesis chapter 2, it's creation from human beings' perspective. It's a whole different way of looking at it, and it's like a zoom in on day six. What happened on day six? And so for the first couple of days, you know, there's dry ground and there's no rain. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. And then on day six, we get to the creation of the first human beings. And we read that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and man became a living person. You know, God created everything with his voice, right? He said, let there be light, and there was light. And let there be sky and waters, and there was that. And let there be dry ground, and there was that. And let there be the sun, moon, stars. You go there, you do that. Then the dry ground came, and they filled it with the animals. And then the human beings, God didn't use his voice. He had a more personal a more intimate way of creating you. He formed you with his hands from the dust of the ground, which means he had to get dirty, to roll up his pant legs and and yank up his sleeves and, and get down in the dust, to get down in the mess, to get down in the dirty and form you and push the dirt together and get all of the mud and the muck and the mire and Create this unique handmade creation called you. And he got as close as he could possibly get and he breathed into you the breath of life. Like this is a close 
personal way that God created you. And in Genesis chapter 1, the word, the name for God is Elohim, which is this powerful creator, plural word. And in here, in Genesis chapter 2, it's the Lord God, which is his personal name, Yahweh, the personal name of God, this personal God who created everything, got on his hands and his knees, and he formed you, he shaped you, he got dirty with you, and he breathed as close as he could get into your nostrils, and man became a living person. And so when we get frustrated with life, and we wonder, does God even see me? Does he know what I'm going through? Does he even care about me? Why is life so hard? You'd think that God would do something about this if he really did love me, if he really did care for me. We need to remember back to how we were made. Remember back to how we were formed, that the creator of the universe did not stay distant he literally got down in the dirt, in the mud, in the yuck, in the whatever you're dealing with, and he formed it, and he made it into this handmade, beautiful thing, and he was so close and so intimate and so personal, and he breathed life into it. And God wants to breathe life into your life, life into your situation of hopelessness, into your situation of doubt and question. God wants to bring life to it. The creation of the first human being was such a personal, such a unique, such a handmade, handcrafted thing by God. And then he put this beautiful, unique creation in a beautiful, perfect place called the Garden of Eden. It was in the east, and there he planted, placed the man he had made. And a river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and dividing it into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Hivilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. And the second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. And the third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east to the land of Asher. And the fourth branch is called the Euphrates. You could go right now, if you wanted to, get on an airplane and fly and go for a swim in the Tigris River and the Euphrates River. We know where those two rivers are still today in modern-day Iraq, in the Mesopotamia area. And so why, why do people question if this was a real place or not? Like, we don't have any reason to, to question if this was a literal place or a figurative place. I mean, the details of this garden, of where it was, and how the rivers went, and all of this stuff, and we still know where two of these rivers are today. There's not a reason, I don't think, that the Bible gives us to question if it was a real place or not. This was a garden that God made. It was perfect. And you're like, why isn't it there now? Well, we'll talk about that next week and in the coming weeks. But what's fascinating is that this garden reappears at the end of time, at the end of creation. God creates a new heaven and a new earth, and this garden kind of reappears. So we're living today between two perfect gardens in this intermediate space, right? So what did God, what did God have man to do in this garden, this perfect environment that he created for this man. What, what was there? What was the purpose? What did he do? So the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to what? To tend 
and watch over it, to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. I created this beautiful, magnificent space for you. It's incredible. There is so much. Go for it. Enjoy it. Love it. 99.9% of it is perfect. Go for it. Live it out. Live your amazing life. This is incredible. This is all for you. There's just this one thing over here. Stay away from that. Because I love you. And if you choose to eat that, you're going to die. And I don't want that to happen. But there's everything else. Like, this is amazing. I made all of this for you. This is incredible. Love it. Do it. Come on. Why would God give man the opportunity to make the bad choice? Right? If God was good, then why would he do that? He wanted people to have a real relationship with him. And you can't have a real relationship with somebody if you can't choose to be in that. A robot can't have a real relationship, right? They're programmed, they're made to do it that way. But human beings were created in God's image with a choice, with decisions, because there's a relationship. There's a real, authentic relationship that God desired to have with his unique handmade creation. And so they had to be able to choose. Are they going to spend time with God? Are they going to live into God's purpose for their life? 99.9% of it is amazing. Just don't do that. Not because I don't love you, not because I'm holding something away from you. It's because I do love you. And if you choose that, it's not going to end well. But there's something inside of all of our hearts, and you know it as I've been saying. We are all drawn to that thing, aren't we? If you have kids, you know, right? Don't touch that. What's the one thing that they go for? That. But that's all of us. And when we think about every, any area of our life, today we're going to talk a little bit about marriage. When we think about our marriage, like God created and designed marriage It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's incredible. It's amazing. Like, go for it. Live into it. Like, there is so much blessing, so much abundance. Just just don't do that with anybody else. Just don't have relationship with anybody else. Like, like there's so much for you. Like, live this amazing life. Work together. Create stuff. Cultivate the stuff. There's so much amazing. But then there's something inside of us that's like, well, what about... What about this? What about this website that I want to watch those videos on? What about that conversation with that person that I probably shouldn't have? Like there is so much amazing, good stuff. 99.9% of everything is incredible. And there's something about that one thing that draws us. And we'll talk more about that. But sometimes I feel like The reason we get drawn to the one thing we shouldn't get drawn to is because we forget the purpose of why we're there in the first place. See, the Lord God placed a man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. He had a job. He had work to do. He he didn't have time to get distracted with the bad thing, right? There were so many good things to do. There were so many things to tend and to watch over. 
And when we don't live into the work that God has given us and we, we put down our guard and we put down our purpose and that's when we fall and do the things that hurt us, that we regret doing. But work is a beautiful thing. It was created by God before there was the fall, before there was sin. Like for six days, you're to work and one day to rest. And now today we're like, I want to rest for six days and I'll work maybe one day. And if I could work one day and pay the rest of my bills, then I'm good. (laughs) Right? That's something inside of us. But there's something that God designed in us to work, to do something, to to live with a purpose, to create things, to cultivate things, to, to create amazing things, innovations, to produce and use the land and do incredible things that help people and serve people and just do incredible things, make a lot of money, like do all of these things. God put that in us to create, to work. But then like the spiritual side of us is like, well, like, shouldn't we trust God? Like, I I need to spend time in prayer, and I got to sit and close my eyes and fold my hands and pray, and I got to read my Bible, and, you know, we get together in groups and sit on a couch and eat donuts, and, like, we call that spiritual. And yes, that's important. We need to do those things. But God designed you to work. Like, we got to get up off our seats and get into the streets and get into our relationships and get into our world and do stuff and create and cultivate and take care of it and tend it and watch over it and make a difference in people's lives and serve people and love people and create amazing things, shape culture, make huge decisions. Like, those are all things that God uniquely designed his human beings, his handmade creation to do, to create and to cultivate, to work and take care of what God has entrusted to us. And a lot of us learned some lessons. We learned a lot of lessons in the lockdowns, the shutdowns of 2020. (laughs) And one of the lessons that we learned back in those days when we were all stuck at home for however long, right, was we learned that our environment where we were, our house, where we were forced to be, wasn't good. (laughs) It needed some work. And so what did we do? We went to the uh, home store and we bought stuff. And Alicia and I did that. We, uh, We had moved into our house five months earlier and we had a lot of work to do. And so we repainted all of the shutters on our house. They were all red and we painted them all, 20 some of them, black. Like, that's, that's what we did. Um, <clears throat> also, at our house, we have this beautiful sunroom in the back. And if you have never been there before, I seriously, this is a true invitation. I invite you to come to my sunroom. And uh, that's actually where, when this lockdown stuff was happening, we were meeting as a small group for church before we ever launched Connect Us Church. It's an amazing space. And so <laughs> we have windows, like, all around, right? All sides is windows, like, I don't know how many windows. I should have counted. Like 15, 50 windows. All right. <clears throat> and the beautiful thing about all these windows is all, they almost all of them open. And so like this is a new house. We got this beautiful room and it's like, man, like when the weather gets warm out, like we're going to open the windows and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like, 
<clears throat> but then I realized for five months, like we didn't have any screens, you know? So like, I guess it's worth it to open the windows and let all the bugs come in my house, you know? Like it's totally worth it because the weather is beautiful. We need to open up all these windows. So, so it's March 2020, and I'm forced to stand in my house, don't know what's going on. I'm looking out my windows, wondering about life, and look what I find. <clears throat> like, <laughs> I lived in this house for five months, and I was worrying about screens. And I'm standing here thinking about my house, my environment, right? And I had screens the entire time. They were stuck, like hidden, and I just have to pull them down and they latch on, and it's incredible. It's like, I've got screens. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> like, the bugs don't have to come in anymore. It's going to be amazing. This is, this is an amazing thing. <clears throat> but you know, and I know, that life is so much better than screens. And oh, that was good, and you missed it. I said, life is more than screens. And yes, we need to create and to cultivate our environment, to take care of our place, to work hard, to make money, to do all these things, absolutely. However, we also need to create and to cultivate our relationships with the people in our life. And we, many of us, learned in those shutdown days when we couldn't leave our house and we had to spend 24-7 with our kids, 24-7 with our spouse, it was like, I don't know if I like this, right? We were forced to do something different, forced to be in this environment that we weren't used to being in. And it just revealed how important our relationships really are. So yes, God created us to create and cultivate this work, this environment, but also our relationships. And so when time came, when the time came for God to make man, he, right, he said that the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, and I'll make a helper who is just right for him. God created on day one <clears throat> and said, let there be light, and there was light. On day two, let there be sky, let there be ocean, and there was sky and ocean. And God, thank you. And God, I must need a drink. <clears throat> On day three, God created the dry ground, and it was good. On day four, God created the sun, moon, and stars, and it was good. On day five, God created the birds and the fish, and it was good. On day six, he created the animals, and it was good. He also created the man, and it was not good. Well, it was very good, but then it was not good. <clears throat> it was not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. And if you're listening to my voice today, I want you to know that you are not alone, that God is with you, 
that you have a church of people that love you, that care for you, that want to be there for you, that you are not alone. It is not good for you to be alone. And so God made a helper just right for him. How many of you know God's got a sense of humor? Anybody? Anybody know? Right, God? God's a funny God. Absolutely. Look what he does. I can't believe this. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. Again, this is one of the reasons why skeptics are like, well, did he do that before he created man? Yeah, it's just a translation thing. The Lord God had formed, right? He had formed these things. So now he brought them to the man to which he would call them. And the man chose a name for every single one of them. And he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But there was still no helper just right for him. It was not good for him to be alone, and God's like, let me bring the animals to you. Remember last week we said how God was to call stuff. He called the light day. And I'm like, if God created it, he's the one that labels it. He's the one that calls stuff stuff. But he also entrusts his unique handmade creation, dominion and governance over this creation, and he's calling stuff stuff too. So Adam gets to name all of the animals. Just imagine this, right? God brings all of the animals in front of Adam, and Adam is alone. It's not good for him to be alone, and and here comes these things, and he's like, that's a giraffe, right? The next one comes along, that's an elephant, right? Next one comes along, that's a goldfish. Next one comes along, that's a monkey, right? Adam is naming all these, and then he's like, they're doing stuff, like... Like, I, they're having fun. Like, there's, there's two of them. There's a couple of them. They, like, fit together. They're, they're like, reproducing. They're, they're multiplying. They're having this amazing thing. And I'm like, what the? Where? God? God, where? Where's mine? God, I'm alone. What's going on here? You, you got all this amazing creation that you got, and I'm looking around, and ain't nobody like me. What is happening? Told you God has a sense of humor. And so, finally, the Lord God calls the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out of one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. The first marriage ceremony, you can picture it, right? The father is walking the bride down the aisle, and Adam is standing there at the altar waiting for him to come. And everybody's crying, and the beautiful music is playing, and it's like, ah, it's amazing, right? And so, in this perfect moment, the man said, right? His bride comes around the corner, the door's open. He says, whoa, man, this is amazing. Oh my goodness, God, you're so good. Like, this is incredible. Do you see this one? Oh, look at her. She's so perfect. She's for me. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Like, she is so beautiful. Whoa, man. She's awesome. No, the Bible said, the Bible said, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. (laughs) It's a beautiful poem, but, you know, you got to make it, you got to make it even better, (laughs) maybe. 
But that's what Adam says when God brings this beautiful woman. And he, she was made where? Not from his head to like rule over him, right? Not from his feet to be like trampled on. She was made from his side to be equals, to be partners, to be together, to do life together, to live in purpose together, to be with each other together, to work together. It was, it was amazing. <clears throat> and all of this exclaims or explains marriage. It explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. All of what we just looked at explains that. Now, this verse is incredible. I'm going to break it down for you. I told you I was going to break it down for you. So this explains why is an important phrase, right? All the stuff we just talked about, why does marriage exist? What is marriage? Well, all of this explains it, right? All of that way that God created it and all of this. That explains why. We need a that explains why. Well, we have one for everything in our life. We just have to be intentional and think about it, and take a minute, and pause, and think about why we do stuff. Like, why do you drive the car that you drive? You have a story, right? You have a reason why. You have a this explains why I drive my car. Like, you have that story. Or, or why do you spend the money that you, the way that you do? Why do you spend your money like that? There's a story that you have that explains why you spend every dollar that you spend. There's a reason. You know, why do I live in the house that I live in? Why do I work at the job that I work in? There is a story. There is a reason. There is a this explains why to all of it. And sometimes we get moving so far in our life, right? We make a decision. Five years later, we're like, I just do this thing. Well, why do you do that? I don't know. I forget. There was a reason. Back then, there was a this explains why, but now you've forgotten. And maybe your this explains why wasn't even the right reason. And now you're doing something for a completely wrong reason for a, you know, you made a bad choice a long time ago, and now you forget about it. So this explains why. You've got to look at the design. You've got to look at the way God created it, the order that it is. And so when it comes to marriage, right, this explains why. A man, not a boy, not a child, a man, a mature person, a mature individual, mature woman. Like, you're not just diving into this because you love each other. Like, this is a serious thing, a serious thing that you enter into. There's responsibility. There, there's all of this, a man coming together, mature, right? And you've got to leave. Like, there's a transition. Like, you, there's a difference in, in your leaving your previous, your father and mother. And, and today, this one's hard, especially for the men, because we don't want to leave. <laughs> we got like two feet, right? One on the boat and one on the dock, right? You've seen that illustration before. And the boat is leaving. Your marriage is leaving. And we're like, I want to stay with my parents. <laughs> I, want to, I want to keep staying with them. I want to leave stay my old life. I want to stay doing the things that I want to do. And your marriage is off, right? You got to leave. You got to choose. You got to go. You know, you got to, you got to move. You got to go move on. And transition, you got to leave your father and mother, which is the model design family, father and mother. And I know today that many of us don't have both of those in our life. And maybe it's divided or separated or only one or the other or, or some combination of the two. And we'll talk about why that is in the next coming weeks. But today, um, it's, it's, this is the design. It's the model. It's the, it's the way that God 
intended it at the beginning. And so you leave your father and mother and you join. There's a new family. There's a new beginning. There's a new start. There's a new boundaries. That's an important word that many of us got to learn, right? There's new boundaries that exist now that you are your own family, your own thing. And you're joined to your wife. The man is joined to his wife, this partner, this helpmate, his, his person to walk alongside and do life together with. And the two are united. Like there is a moment in time when you are united, and, but there's also a process of learning and friendship and trust that over time, over the years, you begin to learn things more. Those of you that have been married for many years, you know that every day you learn something new about the person that you're with and you're, you're learning to love them more. You're learning to something new about them. You're, you're, spending, you're creating new memories with them and the two are united. There's a process. And you're united into one, a deep intimacy between two people. There's something special about the marriage relationship and that there is not just a physical thing, there's like a spiritual thing. And and the same is true with the way sex was designed and works. Like it's not just a physical action that two people do. There is a soul, there's a spiritual element to it that literally like makes you into one, that entwines you into one, that unites you into one. And so like the best illustration I've heard about this, um, somebody was talking and saying, it's sort of like a sticky note. You know what a sticky note is? You know, the little yellow thing and you you write a note on it and you lift it up and it's sticky just at the top and you stick it on the wall. And like the first time you stick it, it's like, it's stuck, you know, like it's going to stay there and it's going to be good. But then the problem becomes like if you take it off and you stick it somewhere else 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 and you stick it somewhere else, eventually what happens is that sticky note becomes less sticky. And it also leaves a little bit of that sticky residue in all of these places all over the place. And the same is true with our relationships, with our physical relationships with sex, too. That there's a part of you that becomes one with all of these people, all of these things, if you choose to do that. And it becomes less sticky the more you do that. And so, young people, if you have the opportunity, live into God's design and purpose for sex and for marriage. It's perfect. It's good. It's amazing when you do it his way. And some of you are like, I wish I would have learned that or believed that years ago. And I know. And I want you to know today that today is a fresh start. Today is a new start. There is grace. There's forgiveness. There is love. No matter what you've done, no matter what choices you've made in the past, that today is a new day. Today is a day where you can say, God, I've made some mistakes, you know, my life was different then, but today, today's a new day. I'm trusting in you, God. I'm going to do my best to live into your design, and God, I believe, is going to bless you for it. I believe he will. Amen. Amen. So this explains why marriage and all of that stuff, right? And one time it was perfect. His man and the wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Can you believe that? I mean, today, right, it's hard to wrap our brains around. But these two people had never done anything that they were afraid of telling the other person about. 
their relationship was perfect, completely open, completely honest, completely saying, there is nothing to hide. There's no website you ever, they ever read that you didn't want to share with your spouse. There's no text conversation with that person that you didn't want to share with your special spouse, you know? Like, there was never anything like that. It was perfect. It was open. It was honest. And they felt no shame. And I believe that Jesus wants to lead you into a life like that today. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. We don't live in a perfect world anymore. But I believe that because of what Jesus has done for us, that you can stand before God and not have any guilt or any shame because Jesus took care of all of it. And you can stand before him and, and, and he loves you completely, no matter what, because of Jesus' death on the cross for your sin. He paid the penalty for it. And you can also have the strength to show up in another person's life and be honest, to be vulnerable, to share some hard things. And God says when we do that, like we're healed. Like he redeems that, he restores that, he blesses that when we are able to share those open, honest things to stand before somebody, not maybe physically naked, but naked in our like what we're scared about, right? And there's something special about what God does in those moments. And so I want you to see today that you are handmade. You are handmade by God to create and to cultivate. God that got down in the dirt, in the dust, in the mud, and he formed you and he made you into this unique person that you are. And he gave you a, a job, a purpose to create stuff and to cultivate, to work and make a difference, to, to change the world, to, to love people, to serve people, to make your world a better place. And also to create and cultivate your relationships, your friendships, the people that are your neighbors with, the people in our community, and also specifically your family and your spouse, to create a beautiful relationship, to cultivate this wonderful relationship that God has made. You are handmade to create and to cultivate. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us so, so much, that you have such a beautiful design for our world and specifically for us. Lord, thank you for hand-making us, for, for getting close and personal, for breathing your breath of life into us, for, for filling a void, God, where there was not good, it's not good, and God's like, I'm going to step in and I'm going to solve that. And so, Lord, I just pray for somebody here today who might be thinking that their life or an aspect of their life was not good in whatever way that is. And Lord, I just pray that they would know and believe that you want to step in, that you want to create that amazing thing, bring that amazing person, bring that amazing opportunity into their life so that they can just stand there in amazement and say, God, oh my gosh, thank you, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that today. May we understand who we are and live into that purpose in Jesus' name. Amen.